I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated, and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed me for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all of your works and meditate on all of your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down like water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Here ends today's reading. It's a little strange. Uh, so John decided to give up the microphone, <clears throat> which means you get me. And it means he needs to take some extra time to do announcements to have, make sure he has enough mic time. But uh, one of the things he always said, no, not what you did. Okay. One of the things he always says is that he's afraid to give up the mic. This is what John always says because he's worried about what in the world <laughs> the person's going to say. Uh, so before we start, I need to announce what? You have the mute button. Uh, before we start, I learned something this last Thursday at the youth, uh, the next-gen bonfire, right? The bonfire on Thursday. Uh, I learned that it's John's birthday on Wednesday. And he... Sorry. Uh, so we're going to all sing happy birthday to John real quick. Because he is our pastor, we do care about him, we do love him, and we want to thank him. So pick this note. Whoa. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, John. Happy birthday 
it just, I'm sorry. There's nothing you can do about these things. Uh, good morning for those of you who I have yet had a chance to meet. I am uh, Dave Hammond. I'm the new pastoral resident. As of now, I might get fired later. Uh, I might get fired later. I am the director of uh, Next Gen Ministries here at Elmwood, which means I'm supposed to make sure that the, uh, the South Wing doesn't burn down while we're in here. And I'm supposed to make sure that the youth of our church, from birth to 18, as we walk with them and journey with them on that time, we help them prepare themselves to be launched into a lifetime of following along and living along that life-giving way of Jesus. This is my goal. I am looking forward to what God's going to do over the next couple years. It's going to be great. We're going to have the opportunity to journey with each other and talk through as many sermons as possible. But for right now, I want to get us all set on the right foot. I want to take a sermon. I think it's appropriate to just spend some time saying, you guys should know who I am. You guys should know me. You guys should know this is this guy we've hired to do this. I think that there would be no better way to start but to say, uh, I'm a sinner, saved by grace. I am not someone special. Uh, I'm a broken person who's being knit back together by God. I'm a son, a brother. I am a witness because of the love of God that's been shown to me and to you when Jesus died to save us from our sins. And bring us into his eternal family. I don't have all the time in the world this morning. We don't have all the time for you guys to get to know everything about me. But uh, today I'm hoping that we can spend a little bit of time for me to tell you about my favorite chapter in the Bible. Psalm 77 is my favorite chapter. I want to tell you why it became my favorite chapter. How God used it to heal some of the scars that are in my life. And uh, hopefully we can spend a little bit of time for us to all learn something this morning. Before we start, let's pray. Would you please pray with me? I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. Be exalted, O God. Above the heavens, let your glory be over all the earth. Save us, help us with your right hand, that those you love may be delivered. Jesus, thank you for the chance to interact together, to be your hands and feet to each other as we journey on this life. Father God, prepare our hearts and minds to worship you as we listen to your word this morning. Thank you for showing us your love by sending your son, the second person of the triune God, to die that we might live. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Now, one of the defining moments of my life, if you want to get to know me, you need to know about this, this, this time. One of the defining moments of my life, and certainly one of the biggest seasons of trouble I have ever walked through, started five months after I led a team to plant a church in northeast Minneapolis. My, uh, my wife was seven months pregnant with our third child. It was uh, the evening, I guess it was the morning at this point, of uh, February 21st at 2 a.m., And I was awoken by my wife having a grand mal seizure beside me. Now, I've heard that during pregnancy, seizures can happen. And the the, the treatment is as simple as get the baby out. Time to become a dad again. And everything gets easier. But for Chelsea and for our family, that was the night that uh, brain cancer became a commonplace phrase in our household. 
In total, Chelsea has had, let me read, to make sure I don't screw this up, five craniotomies to remove 100 cubic centimeters of brain tissue that was infested by cancer, and then also the flesh-eating microbe that showed up a year later at the initial surgery site. She's had a month of chemo and radiation. When the cancer returned four years later, she's had a full year of chemo to make sure the cancer never came, comes back. In total, I ended up with PTSD from the night when uh, I almost lost the love of my life and my son in my arms. I ended up with acute situational depression. I ended up with uh, an amazing counselor <laughs> who is a, a brother in Christ in South Minneapolis. I ended up with an amazing new friend in the scriptures that has now guided me for years whenever I, I entered dark time. I, I have to come to this, this, this group and say I was completely blindsided by going through tough times. I don't know why. It was completely unexpected for me. But over the last decade, I've come to realize, you know what? There are only three types of people in the world. People who have gone through hard times. People who are going through hard times right now. And people who will go through hard times soon enough. This, this is all of us. I've also come to realize that this really should be expected for any follower of Jesus. One of the promises from our king, John 16, 33 says, uh, oh wait, hold on, what does it say? Yeah, that's right, in this world you will have trouble. If you trust nothing else that Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. All of us are in the same boat. You may, your trouble may not include the word cancer. It may be one of life's many transitions out of school into the real world, whatever that is, into out of relationships, trying to figure out what's next. Or maybe you're one of those people that's going through that wonderful, dreaded place called middle school. If any of you have forgotten what middle school is like, just talk to any of our youth. It is a dreaded, dark place. It may be that your journey is like the journey our family has been on when cancer hits your family. Ours is at a really, really great place. We, it, it, it is phenomenal by the grace of God. Things are great. Your journey with cancer might end with a final goodbye this side of eternity. When we go through hard times, it's important that we have a plan for how we're going to make it through. Because if we don't, we might just end up floundering, not knowing how we're going to get out of bed for the next day. We need to start with this question, how are we going to get through hard times? As we look at Psalm 77 today and at this morning, I'm hoping it can give us a roadmap. I'm hoping it can give us something that will give us a chance to get through those hard times with God's help. I think the first step as we go on this roadmap, I think this first step that's important for all of us to remember is that we have to recognize that you're not alone, that we are not alone. That for thousands of years, the people of God have been going through difficult times and journeying with God. That, that first week when uh, I was in the hospital, I called up a couple of people and I was like, I'm in trouble. It's Saturday morning, Sunday's coming, someone's got to preach. And one of the elders from our church heard that he was preaching the next day. And so in order to prepare for his sermon, he came to the hospital and sat with me all day. And I called my sister. I said, Becky, I'm in trouble. And she said, Dave, I'm coming. She has a daughter who's been in and out of the hospital for years. And she knew, okay, 
And she pointed me to Psalm 77 and said, Dave, you've got to read this psalm. And when I read those first four verses, I cried out to God for help. I cried to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands. I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated. My spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. When I read those words, I got the chance to see that even the people who wrote down the scriptures had been through hard times. I was not alone. I think as... uh, as I read these four verses, I think we might call what the psalmist is going through something like maybe depression, right, is a word that we might use to describe the psalmist's situation today. And I was going through a very depressed time in my life. I was going through a time when things were not okay, and it was a balm to realize that I was standing shoulder to shoulder with other saints who'd been through it before. Now, if we're students of the scriptures, if, if we're allowing the scriptures to come into our lives, if we're reading the Bible, we, we know that it's not just the psalmists who have been go- going through hard times. If we read the psalms, two-thirds of them, like a hundred-ish of them, are written by people who are going through hard times, and they write things called laments. Because life isn't going well, and then they go to God and say, help. But if we just look at the scriptures, we see example after example after example of people walking the life with God and going through hard times, be it Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, Joseph, David, and Elijah, Stephen, and Paul, or even the guy for whom this whole religion is named, Jesus the Christ, went through incredibly hard times. All these people went through times of waiting, of being persecuted, of being falsely accused of crying out to God in pain, and many of them felt the sting of death in service of Yahweh. When I look at their stories, when I look at the first four verses of Psalm 77, I, it helps me to know there's been other people who have been through the stink holes of life. It helps me to know uh, I'm not alone, and it helps me to know that the God who, like, who's defined by goodness and life and love, this God has decided, I'm going to put these stories in my scriptures because I know my people are going to go through hard times and they're going to need these stories to know they're not alone. And so now when hard times hit, I go back to Psalm 77 and it continues to lead me on that journey, continues to lead me on that journey through my anguish continues to lead me on that journey so that eventually I can find the space where I can just maybe fall asleep in the arms of my Savior. And it leads me forward with the next uh, five verses. I thought about the former days in verse five, the years long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show favor again? Will his unfailing love vanish forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has, in, has he in his anger withheld his compassion? I think we see here, I think we see here the Bible encouraging us to process our pain in the presence of God. It's a really, really nice way to say, interact with your anger in God's, I, I can't, I'm trying to be nice. 
trying to keep my job. This, uh, this guy is getting up in God's face. God, what's up? I know your character, um, but I'm having a really hard time seeing your character in the world. I know you're good, but like, what? What? And those questions, does God truly have unfailing love? I'm holding my wife in my arms. What? Is, is God going to be true to his promises? I'm never going to meet my unborn son. What? Where are God's mercy and compassion right now? What? These are all questions that God answered when he talked to Moses. In Exodus 34, God said, The Lord, the Lord... The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And the psalmist is asking, where is that God? And it's a question that we get the opportunity to ask as well. These questions in the scriptures are included there so that we know we can come to God and say, God, where are you? Because he wants us to interact with him. He wants for us to know him and for him to be known by us. He wants us to be in relationship with him. As a dad, I can think of nothing better than to be in relationship with my kids. No matter if it's like after a moment when I really hose something up and it's just like, it's been a long night at UPS and I make a really stupid request of them and they let me know it's a stupid request. And it's like, I just want to be in relationship with them and we'll talk through and I can apologize. Yeah, sorry, I probably... Shouldn't have said that. Or maybe it's one of those moments when I'm actually parenting well. And they really do need to do what they need to do before they get to do what they want to do. Right? That I just want to be in relationship with them. Without question, it's the bottom line. When my kids are mad at me, I want to be in relationship with them. When uh, my kids are sad, I want to be in relationship with them. When my kids are excited because they got their schedule and they found out they have a couple classes with their best friends, I want to be in relationship with them. When they have to clean their room, when we're playing Risk, when we're laughing at Sven and Oli jokes, when I'm super tired because it's been a long night at UPS, I want to be in relationship with them. (laughs) God is so much of a better father than I could ever hope to be. He wants to be in relationship with you. No matter what. He wants you to yell at him. He wants you to process your emotions right up in his face. God help me see you. I can't. I can't see right now. It it looks like you don't even care. Help me to see you, God. Those questions, you can't process your emotions. You can't have a conversation with God about your questions without being in relationship with him. The very act of questioning requires two people, a questioner and an answerer. Too many errors. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter what you're doing right now doesn't matter who you've been or who you are. God loves you. He has declared his love for you, and there's nothing we can do to undie Jesus. Jesus died to prove God's love for us. 
It's a definitive word. And so God loves you and wants to be in relationship with you. Not only that, but God loves you and died to prove it. And so he knows what it's like to process pain. He experienced one of the worst pains that has ever been devised by humanity. And so he knows what it's like to have pain. And he can say, Dave, I know what it's like to be in pain. I get it. I'm here with you, bud. Let's process that a little bit longer. And we turn to him and we ask questions about his character. When we interact with him, just like what God did for the psalmist in Psalm 77, God doesn't leave us there, which is great. If God just left us in places with unanswered questions, what kind of a God would he be? But instead, God brings us to a place and says, I've got some answers for you, Dave. The next three verses, Psalm uh, 77, verses 10 through 12, say, then I said, say, present tense, whatever. Uh, Then I thought, to this I will appeal, the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works. I will meditate on all your mighty deeds. When the world is falling down around our ears, when we can't see the character of God because the world is just a little bit too loud, God encourages us to appeal to the ways he has moved in the past. Asaph, the the writer of this psalm, uses the rest of the psalm to work through a time when God brought redemption to Israel, his people, by leading them through the Red Sea. It it talks about the waters and how they saw God and they knew that they didn't stand a chance against the Almighty. How God bends his power against this thing that means certain death for his people and he, he creates a way that leads to life. How God was there with his people even though maybe he was unseen. But we sit here today, and as we sit here today, we are lucky enough to be able to look back and appeal to the way that God has moved in the past. It's it's slightly different. We sit here today, and we look back at a time when the fight wasn't between the goodness of God and the evil of a Pharaoh. But instead, we sit here today and can look back to a moment when true evil saw God and realized it didn't stand a chance against God's anointed. We sit here today and can look back when God bent all his power against death itself, swallowing it up on our behalf in order to create a path that leads to eternal life. We sit here today and we can know that God is with us. We can know that God is with us because the words of Jesus, the final words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, does everybody know the rest of the verse? I will be with you always to the very end of the age. We have this incredible opportunity to look back at the wonderful work of Jesus on the cross. This moment that defines the character of God, when we see the love of God, when we see the mercy of God, when we see the wrath of God, when we see the justice of God, when we see the patience of God, all on display in the very same moment. This moment that's incredible, and we can look back, 
and we can see who God is. We don't just have to look at the stories of the Old Testament as a testimony of who God is. We have a moment when the very word of God came down and hung on a Roman torture device, declaring who God is for us to look back to. Here we sit in a time when if we are experiencing deep depression, depressed seasons, suffering, we can look back to the character of God that has been revealed for us in his historical actions and becomes a guide for us to find peace, life, and love amidst chaos. Now, walking through Psalm 77, the words that are up here, I I think it's a pretty good roadmap for how, what, where to go and how to do, right? And it's good to have roadmaps. If I told you all to go ahead and just turn right at the Valvoline down the way, pa- past the Dairy Queen, and then turn left right after the railroad tracks, you'd all be able to get to my house, right? That, that's how you get from here to, to our neighborhood, right, guys? <laughs> no one was listening. They were, it's, it's fine. It's, it, it'll yeah, I, yeah, yeah, Culver's would distract most of us. <laughs> but I think that Psalm 77 as a whole, I think it actually teaches us not only how, like where to go on this roadmap, but how to actually travel the roadmap. Wise man once told me that, uh, do you know what, the, the matter and the manner both matter. Right, the, the, the how, the where, where we're going on the roadmap, that matters. But then how we're traveling the roadmap, that also matters. I want us to look at the manner for just a moment. First, I want us to consider this idea that when life isn't as it should be, we need to turn to God with our questions and then find peace in his presence and power. I, it is super important for us to all know that turning to God is not going to fix our problems. <laughs> Always. That verse that I said earlier, though, that John sixteen thirty three, that in this world you will have trouble, it finishes with, but take heart, I've overcome to wor- the world. Go ahead. It just, this is important for us to go ahead and turn to God because it's, it might not change our circumstances, but it might change us as we walk through them. But also... It might not change our circumstances, but if we want our circumstances to change, turning to the one who like spun planets into existence by saying, be planets. Turning to the one who was like, light, and there was light. Yeah, that seems like the right person to go to. The person who knit you together in your mother's womb, that, that's the person we want to go to if we want our circumstances to change. The one who said to the sea, Hitherto shalt thou come no further. I was raised in a household that had the King James, apparently. Uh, That's the guy we want to go to. If we want our circumstances to change, turning to him, trusting in his power, in his strength, in his love. That's a great place to start. Turn to God with your questions and find peace in his presence and power. Secondly, I think Psalm 77 as a whole lets us know how to wrestle with God, especially when we're tired and worn out. 
when uh, we want to have a plan about how to interact with God, we better have a plan of how to wrestle with God before we start the wrestling. That moment when, like, the world crashes down around our ears, that moment when the pressure cooker gets, like, turned up to high, that's not the moment to come up with a plan. Like, that, that night, I didn't get the opportunity to be like, I want, let me just sit down for a moment. I wonder how I'm going to make it through this. Because that moment, instead, that, that, that instead was like, okay, here we go. I, I hope I have a plan in place. Giddy up, team. I need people, I gotta call people, I gotta, I gotta be reading some script, I gotta like, we gotta call 911, I gotta call my mother-in-law, get her over here to take care of the other two kids, what, we gotta have, to have a plan. When the pressure kicker gets turned up is not the moment to make a plan of how to wrestle with God. Instead, we need to have something in place well before problems come. Bless you. This is yet another reason why we come here every Sunday. Another reason why we come together and we read a psalm. Another reason why we then pray together. It's an ordinary obedience to week in and week out pray. And as a community of faith, come together and build that spiritual rhythm of having a life built on prayer that's also built on what we see in the scriptures. It's why we do it so that we have something in place, so that we know what we're doing. Prayer is not just some means to an end, though. It's also not that thing that we just do before meals, and we just say the exact same thing over and over again. I love the theology of God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. That's like some, that's a pregnant sentence right there, right? There's some, but like that, if that's all your prayer life is, we got, we need to know how to wrestle with God. Because it's hard work for a finite being. I am only like this big. I'm kind of big. But I'm just only this big. That's me. I'm trying to interact with the infinite. I'm trying to get to know the one that's beyond time and space. And that's hard. And it takes wrestling. It takes me asking hard questions. But it also brings me to a place where I get to find comfort when the world says that I shouldn't find any. Prayer is interacting with the greatest power this world has ever seen. And prayer is how we can wrestle with God, especially when we're tired and worn out. Third, I think Psalm 77, along with the rest of the scriptures, honestly, but Psalm 77 is crying out, have your mind formed and transformed by the stories found in the scriptures. When we want to make it through hard times, when we need our well-being, our sense of I'm okay, because we, we all need a sense of I'm okay, I'm going to make it through. We need that to show up, not based upon the story that the world is telling us, but based upon a better story. The world is yelling at you. Every second, the world is yelling at you. And it's yelling at you that this urgent thing or that urgent thing needs your full attention. And if you're not doing everything in your power to fix it, you are a failure that's failing the world, especially the children. Think of the children. (laughs) This is the way the world works. We need to let our minds be formed by a better story. We need a story 
that invites us into something bigger than ourselves, bigger than our circumstances. We need a story where God gets to define our righteousness, gets to define you're okay. God gets to define the fact that you are loved and lovely. God gets to define how beautiful and great this is. He gets to invite us into a story that makes us awe and say, wow, this is, this is something that can't be explained in a 60-second TikTok. This is something that can't be explained in an 11-word soundbite for the evening news, no matter what evening news is reporting this week. This is something bigger where we get to find awe and wonder, and we can question. This is a story where we get to find certainty in the grace and love of God. And so I think we need to allow our mind to be transformed by the story of the Bible. One more step, one more manner, one more way that we travel on this journey. Hold the cross. If you're driving to my house the entire way, look out your windshield as you're driving. As you're on this journey of wrestling through the hard times of life, keep the cross in front of your eyes. Just keep it in front of you. As I said, the author of Psalm 77 looked back to the Exodus event. And we're lucky because the Exodus event took the Israelites out of slavery to Egypt, but the cross buys us out of slavery to sin. The cross is a reminder of the lengths to which God will go, a reminder of how far he will go to bring sinners like me, sinners like you, sinners like us into relationship with him. Behold the cross, behold God's love. Behold how it declares God's power over sin and death. Behold God's invitation into eternal life. Behold how God overcame this world by dying in it that he also might save it. Behold the cross. Now, uh, we, we might not know each other perfectly well. I've got lots more stories uh, that I'd love to tell all of you. Uh, You all have lots more stories that I'd love to hear. But I do know one thing about all of us. We're going to walk through hard times. And uh, my hope is that Psalm 77 can become a friend to each of us that can guide us to help us walk through those hard times in life. And we can lift our eyes because of it from our circumstances to what God is doing and what God has done. Each week we engage in a practice and that practice is something that helps us turn to God. It's something that helps us wrestle with God. It helps us to have our minds formed and transformed by the scriptures and it's something that helps us behold the cross. We come and take communion. We come and and we eat a piece of broken bread. We come and we drink some blood red juice and helps us to focus on the broken body of our Savior and the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. In this simple act, we turn to God. We wrestle with him as we consider what has been done on our behalf to bring us into his family. We are reminded of the greatest story that was ever told. And we hold the cross of Jesus Christ in our hands and then we make it a part of us. You might not know how to apply Psalm 77 in your life today, because you might not be having difficult times right now, but I encourage you to apply it now and come take communion this morning. As I invite you to the communion table, please, we're going to take uh, a few moments here.
of silent confession and reflection on our own lives where each of us can wrestle with God.